Howdy and welcome to the Laptop Empires podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Yonda and Bobby Hoyt. And today we're going to talk about email. And, and really what we're doing here is Bobby wrote a great email a while back. And he's written some great ones since then. But I just particularly enjoyed this email about Ed Sheeran and credit card <laughs> theft. <laughs> it made me laugh. Um, and so I want to, to take y'all through Bobby's mindset when he's writing these emails. A lot of you that are listeners you like the emails, you know, you enjoy reading them and, or you're a business owner and you want to learn how to write better emails. And, you know, it wasn't too long ago that Bobby's email game wasn't the hottest shit on the block. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Bobby's skill as an email copywriter has like grown really freaking fast. And so I wanted him to share his process a little bit. A lot of this is gleaned from our man, Chris Orzakowski, who's been on the podcast and will be on it again. But Bobby, you know, before I dive in and kind of read this, do you have any, any comments or anything you want to share about, you know, just why this is important or just your process or anything? Uh, yes. Like why email marketing is important so you can make right. more money. What, okay. <laughs> Whatever. No, I mean, no, it's, it's just one of those things. Like I think that it's figuring out the email thing has been really cool for me because it, it allows me to do. Um, it allows me to, to make the articles more SEO focused, more conversion focused, more, uh, you know, things that are going to help grow the business. Like if we do like some kind of app review or something like that can make it to where it's a little bit more, not neutral, but uh, to where it's a little bit less like, I don't know, me personality wise, I guess. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but I mean, really like the stuff that I used to write all the time, the things I really enjoyed writing were like kind of the funny stuff, the personality stuff the emotional stuff. That was like what I built Millennial Money Man on in the beginning, but that doesn't always translate necessarily very well into the business side of things where you're trying to either promote something or if you're trying to direct readers to a certain thing, whether it's an affiliate product or not, or just a good product in general. So the email marketing and figuring that out has allowed me to keep the personality in my brand and keep kind of like that personal connection in the emails. And then I send them to, you know, a little bit more of the business side of things with the blog posts, if that kind of makes right. sense. So it's been pretty cool. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because if you go back and you, uh, there's a couple, you know, in the early episodes of the show uh, of this podcast, we talked about kind of this personality versus SEO thing and how Bobby had focused more on the personality thing. So even when we had Grant Sabatier on to talk about SEO, he talked about these kind of two paths as well. But I think what's interesting about it is when you take it, this just kind of shows you how like you evolve as business owners. And in the year, not even a year that we've been doing this podcast, like this is one of those things that has changed drastically for you. Yeah. Spending more time, more, uh, more of an SEO focus. Yeah, by the way, Mason's here today. Um, <laughs> you have more of an SEO focus with the blog than you used to. And all yeah. the personality, you're kind of like all of that engagement, audience building, you're saving for your Facebook group and your emails. So, and really quickly, big shout to Dylan, who has binge watched. He told us it was 66 hours 
of podcasts in the last month. I didn't realize we even had that that many you know, <clears throat> podcasts, but uh, really appreciate you writing into us, buddy. And uh, thank you for for listening and supporting. And he's about yes. to listen to him again, so that's pretty sweet. And he oh. categorized them all. I don't know if you saw that. Did he categorize them? What do you mean? He did. He sent me a spreadsheet. He categorized all of them into different like what topics they cover and. Also, oh, I didn't, I didn't see that part. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. You could probably use that. Yeah. I know. It'd probably be helpful. That's awesome. Um, just real quick. The one of the funny things he, he had every episode we had with like somebody else on, like uh, whether it was Chris or Grant or Alex Mirny, he thought it was like a sponsored, a sponsored podcast for those people. Like they were nope. paying us to come on. Nope. You can do, you can do that. <laughs> I, I guess so. Just charge it. That'd be nice. So once again, thank you, Dylan. We really appreciate it. And now... Time for the real thing. Let's talk about this email. I'm gonna kind of like just read it to y'all really quickly. Uh, we'll make it available in the show notes so you can see it. And then we're gonna talk about it and just I'm gonna have ask Bobby some questions, have him walk through it. So the title of the email is, here's why I spent $3,000 for Ed Sheeran concert tickets in South Korea, all right? Mm. So pretty legit headline right there. And a lot of people opened it. And then this is the body copy of the uh, the email it says yep you read that right a cool three thousand dollars for an overseas concert not including airfare now you might be thinking but but bobby you're supposed to be responsible with your money your story of paying off your student loans in 18 months is literally the only reason i read your emails otherwise you're borderline lame no offense and so then bobby continues so and, and that whole thing was written like a quote right and so now he's saying so a few things here. One, wow, you're grumpy today. My emails are fire and you know it. You know, Bobby being super humble as always. Yes. Number two, <laughs> I didn't actually mean to buy the tickets at all. That's right. It wasn't me. Let me introduce you to the wonderful world of credit card fraud. And you didn't hear it, but that took me like four times. <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Someone stole my credit card info and was going to attend what I could only hope is the upcoming Ed Sheeran concert in... Yunsungu in Cheon. I probably butchered that. Um, yeah, that's okay. This is in South Korea. Now there's a picture here of, of like the calendar notification showing <laughs> tickets have been bought, you know, for April 21st. So this is past. This is an older email. Yeah. And Bobby continues, but alas, instead of hearing Ed Sheeran's buttery question, a bunch of question marks, voice in the VIP section. They didn't get to have any fun at all. I caught the fraud transaction instantly like a Ninja Tiger personal finance blog master that I am, once again with the humbleness, aka my bank sent me a text. And then he says, so if you want to be like me and triumphantly defeat credit card fraud when, if, and definitely when it happens to you, follow these instructions. Step one, read this. It's a hyperlink to an article. Step two, that was it. I actually didn't have any other steps, but that blog post above will act as a guiding light on your path to dealing with annoying people that try to steal from you. Step three, stop reading and follow instructions in step one, Bobby. And then P.S., what's the most ridiculous thing that someone has tried to purchase with your credit card? Can you beat my overseas concert tickets? Doubtful, but I invite you to respectfully hit reply and take your shot. So interesting. You know, there's a lot going on here. Bobby has like puts this internal dialogue in your brain. Then he makes fun of you for having that internal dialogue, even though he was the one yeah. having that internal dialogue. There's an image. He says some ridiculous things and uh, like a three-step checklist that people are going to read, even though it's really just one step. And all of this to get people to read his blog post titled credit card fraud, how to report it and what to do next. So, you know, Bobby, I want to break into this now, but I'm assuming you went 
all right, I've got a brand new article on credit card fraud. I need to send my readers there. I need to write an email. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. is that where you, you start as you just go, like, are you, do you have an idea? And then you're like, this is where I'm going to send them. Or are you just saying, this is the article that went live today. I need to somehow create an email for it. Usually like nine times out of 10, it's like what went live on the site today. And then I'll look at it and I actually write my emails the morning of, which is kind of, I wish I didn't, but that's when I write my best emails. But yeah, I just look at whatever the post is and I go, okay, you know, how can I make credit card fraud one entertaining and two get people to actually click on that? You know, that, that's kind of one of the, the difficulties I think of personal finance. Sometimes it's really easy to become like bland or, you know, some of the topics aren't like the most exciting, even though they're really important. Right. And so it's like, I feel like the, you know, going back to why, you know, why I focus on this so much, why the email marketing is so important. I feel like it, it gives me the ability to like make it entertaining and fun before they go and learn something that's really useful. Right. So, you know, and, and people, it, the cool thing now is like people tell me that they really like, I'll get emails all the time. They were like, I really look forward to your emails. And the cool thing about that is like, that means that they look forward to reading some personal finance content, hopefully too, on the back end of that. Right. Um, so it's a good, it's a good thing all around, but yeah, that's, that's how it starts. I look at the, whatever the post is and I go, okay, actually the, the process is pretty simple. I look at the post and go, okay, here's the target. How do I get people to it? And then I immediately try to think of a personal story that's happened fairly recently that I can start with. Um, because that makes it, I mean, anytime you can take a personal story and then write an email on it, that's the easiest. I think that's the path of least resistance rather than trying to like create some kind of brand new, whatever. If you're just telling a story of something that happened, it flows really well. It's relatable sometimes. Like everybody, like almost everybody I know has dealt with credit card fraud in some way right. or some kind of like somebody tried to open up an account in their name or whatever. And so I wanted to make that relatable. But at the same time, like I did have this ridiculous thing where somebody tried to buy $3,000 overseas concert tickets. And so the way that this all happened, I actually did, it was not, I don't think it was actually an Ed Sheeran concert. I think I made that part up, but I do know that it was a concert. I had to do some research on this email because I know that I had a $3,000 attempted charge. So I went back and I was like, okay, I know I had credit card fraud, but like, what was it? And so I did like all the digging into this and I I like Googled what the charge was and I had to like figure out what the venue was that was trying to charge and it was a concert venue. And so then I looked at the date that it happened and it like the date that the fraud happened was like right before an Ed Sheeran concert. It was like the day before or something like that. So I kind of like put those things together. I don't know if they actually bought tickets for that, but it was like, you know, it seemed like it would, was about the right timeline. So that took me a little bit of time. Yeah. It's pretty funny that that's not actually like you had to like dig that up. I mean, this was, this was great. I mean, and it just, it cracked me up because like, Katie likes Ed Sheeran. I don't have a problem with Ed Sheeran, but like I would never buy tickets to go see Ed Sheeran. <laughs> right. And so yeah. it was just like really amusing, you know, to me. But anyway, the I want to take this back a second because you talked about how like you can use stories and personal, you know, stuff to kind of make it entertaining and how dry personal uh, finances. And I remember you, hopefully you'll remember this. We were talking to some, uh, some other bloggers recently and they were wanting to do more with, with email. And they were like, the problem is we are so SEO focused. And, and that's really what we do best is driving organic content with, with SEO. And we're getting all these email subscribers, but we write stuff like, what is a debit card? And he's like, I can't really write an email about what is a debit card because everybody knows what a debit card is. And then, and then you flipped it, you flipped it on them and you were like, well, if you wrote it because people were searching, what is a debit card? Then that means people don't know. Right. And then you were like, to me, that's like an easy one. And you talked about like how you would do it. So could you, 
like talk about that a little bit more because I think that a lot of people just go, my stuff is boring, it's dry, right? right? Like how do I, you know, for example, I think Facebook ads are silly boring, right? Really, yeah. you know, but that's what I do, you know? So it's like, how do you make Facebook ads interesting? How do you make spreadsheets interesting? Right. Yeah, so on the debit card example, I remember, I can't remember exactly what I told them, but basically it was something along the lines of like what you said, if, if people are searching, then they obviously, they need to know what a debit card is or you know, maybe they're trying to figure out like what debit card they should get or something like that. But I would look at it as an opportunity to like become relatable to your audience very quickly and just say like, do some kind of email about the one time that your debit card was stolen or something like that. Or, or like the one time you went to use your debit card and it didn't work. Cause like all of us probably at some point have had something happen with a debit card. It doesn't necessarily need to be about the article, but you just find some kind of like related topic in your life that happened about the thing that your the blog post is about. And so then you just come up with a story and then I thought the perfect call to action with, with that one, what, like not even the call to action, the PS just to get more engagement because a lot of people, like if you have a really cold email list uh, and people aren't really engaged, like the PS is a great way to get people to actually start responding to your emails and like send cool stuff back to you. And I was like, okay, well everybody, well, a lot of people at one point have had like the cool debit cards where you get to like choose like what you want. And it could be like a Winnie the Pooh debit card or like a, I don't know, like a Power Rangers debit card. I don't know what all of them are, but everybody's like wanted one of those. And so I was like thinking, okay, you do this whole thing about your story, about the debit card that you've used before and you got like overdraft and then like, boom, here's call to action. Go here to learn more about, you know, debit cards. P.S. Right now I've got a Winnie the Pooh debit card in my wallet. What do you have? Or what's the best debit card you've ever had? And like, you'll be so shocked. Like so many people would respond to that and just say like, they would share pictures of their most random like debit card they've ever had in their life. Right. And, and now all of a sudden you've like worn their kid's the face that they like had put on the, the credit card. Yeah. They like want to show you that. Yeah. And so you just warmed up your, your audience a little bit more. You built a little bit of trust. You know, it's, you made their email fun because most people, they get emails and they're like, oh, you suck. I don't want to read these. Or, oh, this is spam. You know, it's like, it's only spammy if you write spammy emails that suck. <laughs> like if you write good emails and it's just, you're delivering good content to them. It just happens to be via email. And so then you're, yeah, you, you're able to take like some kind of story that's relatable to people. You make yourself relatable to the audience. You drive them to the the blog post that has a bunch of debit card offers on it. I don't even know if that's a thing, but might be. And then you get responses back too. You get to like get another touch point with your audience. So it's like a win-win, win-win for everybody. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, the whole, the whole point here, right, with the email is to get them to take an action, right? So yeah. you, need, you need them to open the email, then you need them to read the email, and then you need them to click. And so you're, you're really wanting to work on every piece of that. The better your subject line is, the more people will open, the more entertaining the article is, the more likely they'll get to the end, the stronger the call to action is. And the better that email was, the more likely they'll click through. And so you got to take all those things into account to drive as many people as possible to the offer, the blog post, whatever it may be. So, yeah. which brings me to this question, do you write the email first or do you write your headline first? I write the email first. That's how I do it too, but not, actually that's I, not true. I actually tend to write my headline first. I don't, sometimes I'll do it without thinking about it and I'll write the headline. But what I've realized is when I write the headline first, it boxes me in to like trying to write about that thing. And what I, what I kind of have seen with my own stuff over time is like, I'll start an email and it might kind of start off with the intention that I wanted to have. But then like throughout the course of the email, I'm like, okay, this went somewhere totally different. And so this headline wouldn't fit this anymore. So I always write the email now and then look at it and go, okay, like what's a good, 
what, what, what's a good headline that actually relates to this article, <laughs> you know, like, or not to the article, to the email. So, you know, it, and it's, it's one of those things too. You got to test. Well, I don't want to get into the testing part of it, but I mean, it's just, you got to kind of, you get a feel for like what kind of headlines work. Um, and this one, I thought the reason that it was so good is just cause it was one, like I'm not into Ed Sheeran at all. You know, I'm, he's great, but I think like, it's not, I don't really care about Ed Sheeran. A lot of people know that I like, I like hip hop. Like I don't like, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's already one thing where people are like, huh, that's kind of weird. Why would he do that? Two, I spent $3,000 for Ed Sheeran concert tickets. Like my brand is pretty much built on being more or less frugal. Uh, and then in South Korea is like kind of like off the wall, but that's actually where it was. So that was pretty, that was pretty the convenient. The entire thing is a curiosity play. And yeah. talked about curiosity is the most powerful thing you can use in subject line. So everybody wants to open it to figure out why did you spend that money? Why did you spend money on that particular artist, which doesn't make sense for you? And why in South Korea? You know, and they're probably like, they're either going like, what the hell? Or they're going, this going to be good. And I'm going to read it right. now. So, which plus it's probably disappointing people that like Ed Sheeran were probably hoping his, uh, his <laughs> album cover was going to appear behind your head on your lovely yeah. wall of albums. Yeah, <laughs> not, it probably should just because this email was like, insanely popular it was i didn't think it was going to be that good but i got so many responses back to that ps at the end like what's the most ridiculous thing someone's tried to purchase like i looked at one right now somebody said twelve hundred dollars at coach on hand uh, handbags not ed sheeran but it was back in the dark ages before text alerts so yeah I just you just get these like really it's gonna sound like a weird word but intimate uh responses from people where they like kind of go into detail about you know, a specific thing. And once you can get somebody to do that to your email, like I, I don't know this person at all. We've never met in real life, but they just told me like a lot of details about themselves and like, and talked as if we're friends. And I get that a lot. I get like a lot of people email and they'll say like, I've been reading your emails for X amount of months now. And like, I feel like we're friends even though we've never met. And so I'm like, yes, that's awesome because now they trust me, you know, and as, as a business owner, one, that's good that you build trust with your potential customers, but two, like as a marketer, like that's how you make money you know, right. build trust and, and then present a product. And then they go, okay, this guy, like I've been reading his emails. I know he's legit. You know, I'll take a chance on this because this is a good offer for me. Right. So we just talked about the headline. I mean, I think we covered everything there. Um, yeah. I, I mentioned that I do mine first, but that's because like I, I wanted to, you know, clarify, I do it like I go in, I write it in the email system. So I yeah. log into active campaign, say I'm going to send a campaign. I write a headline, then I write the email, you know, and then there's a second chance to go back to the headline at the end. And then I usually edit it. And so usually like the label and the email and the actual headline are different because like you said, yeah. it but so I think it is good to have the headline at the end, even though that's, I go back to it. So I don't, right. I, I do write one first, but I'm, I'm the same as you that I do go back to it most of the time. So let's talk about the body of the email. So mm. when you're oh. writing this, so you talked about how you came up with the idea. So now you have this entertaining idea. You have a place you want to send them. How do you, what are you doing? Are you just sitting down and just writing? Cause I know for me, I'm basically like 10 minutes on the clock go. And I write and I do not edit. I write, I add my link, I hit send. I don't proofread it or anything. Uh, What's your writing process there to come up with something as ridiculous as this email? <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I don't set a timer for myself or anything like that. I mean, I just because I've written a whole lot, I, I write pretty quickly these days, but um I really, it's really pretty stream of conscious. And it, it, I think that comes out to like, when you look at my emails, I do a lot of like, 
I'll do a lot of parentheses with like little side notes that I was thinking in my head or like, right. You know, I do a lot of the, the stuff in italics to like, you know, for somebody to show somebody thinking about something or whatever. Like, it's funny that people like when people tell me they like my emails, I always kind of laugh because they feel so random to me when I'm writing them. Like, it's not like this very structured, like I'm going to do this and this, and I'm going to use this strategy to get them to go do this. Like it's more of just like, I write whatever comes to my mind. And then I just kind of loosely follow the formula of like, tell a story, you know, potentially kind of tell a lesson and then transition into the call to action of how that, like, because I've got an article that can help them, you know, with whatever the story was or whatever, like the lesson I'm trying to teach. So yeah, like story, you know, lesson, and then I immediately try to transition to the call to action. And then I'll just put a ridiculous PS that in the, in the bottom there, if I want to do some engagement baiting, but yeah, you know, that's pretty much, that's the, that's the rough, the loose formula. Yeah. So let's talk about the call to action really quickly because mm. we both, we don't write emails without a call to action because right. we want people to go different places, you know, and, and it's one of those things you want people to learn to click, right? Like you're training yeah. your subscribers to click. So you always have a call to action. How do you do that transition from the content to the call to action? Cause there's a lot of ways to do it. And, and I think that's one of the harder things people, that's something people have a hard time with is that um, transition. So do you have kind of a way you go about it or a couple ways? Uh, usually, yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually I try to hit a pain point. Like I'll try to, so I'll tell the story and then I think about like, what's the pain point of that story that I just told that other people can like relate to or like that they that's happened to them like in this one you know i told the story about that this funny story about these ed sheeran tickets in another country but at the end of that i kind of got you know i kind of got to the point where it was like you know so if you want to be like me and triumphantly defeat credit card fraud stuff i write is so ridiculous triumphantly defeat credit card fraud when if definitely when it happens so i'm basically telling people like this is probably going to happen to you at some point so you want to know like you're going to want some information about like how to deal with it then I tell them go here. So my transition usually highlights the pain point and then my article solves that pain point. And so I get them to the article as quickly as I can after I kind of introduce the pain point. Perfect. Well, honestly, we kind of covered everything that I wanted to cover here. I thought this was a really good case study. You know, if you're listening to this in your car or whatever, and you want to learn more about email marketing, you know, go to the show notes for the episode. You'll be able to see the email and you know, it would be a good idea to listen to this episode again while looking at the email, kind of following along and just to kind of understand you know, what's happening there. I think that that's gonna be a little more, you're gonna get more out of this, more of the lesson, you know, really absorb the information, be able to apply it for yourself that way. Before we cut, you know, Bobby, is there, is there anything that you did in this email, anything that jumps out at you that you want to like point out? Um. There's something that I do. Yeah. There's something that I do in my emails that you actually mentioned it as you were reading it. You were like, there are two times I think where I, I said something that's pretty like sounds super cocky. And I actually do that on purpose because I think it's, it's kind of one of those things that it, it comes across. I think it's funny to a lot of people because it's usually being cocky about like super dumb things like the, you know, I caught the, tr the fraud transaction instantly, like a Ninja Tiger personal finance blog master that I am. And then like the reality is that my bank just sent me a text about it. So <laughs> like I looked at it, um, but I like to balance like that super cockiness with making fun of myself because you'll see like almost every time after I say something ridiculous about myself and like how great I am, I'll, I'll follow it up with like in this one, I said, uh, you know, but Bobby, you're supposed to be responsible with your money thing. And it's like somebody else thinking, and then it says, otherwise you're borderline lame. Like I'm calling myself lame in that, that email just with somebody else's thought. So I like, I like to do that. that. I don't know if that's something that 
is like, you should implement that in your emails. But I will say that people like it when you make fun of yourself, it makes you more relatable, it makes you more human. So even if you kind of have this like ridiculous cockiness that I do sometimes just to, to get a laugh, I always balance it with like making fun of myself as quickly as I can after, um, because I want to be, I want to come across as like a real human being person <laughs> to these people on my email list. So I think anytime you can kind of look at an opportunity to make fun of yourself and not present yourself as, as like, I'm better than you, it's going to build a better relationship with your audience. Perfect. Well, Bobby, thank you for running us through the mindset behind this epic email. Because I remember getting this and texting you. And I remember getting a text from Chris and him just being like, wow. <laughs> so uh, this was a very good email. It was really funny. It was really entertaining. I know that's something that we really go for is like, is there going to be a lot of curiosity to get people to open? You know, if you can make people laugh in an email, you're doing a good job. And I know this. Yeah. So anyway, so thank you for taking us through that. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode, learning all about email copywriting. You know, if you want to learn more about this, definitely make sure that you check out the other podcast episodes. We've got quite a few podcast episodes on email copywriting. And we even had our boy Chris on the podcast and he's been on the YouTube channel teaching people how to do email automation. So if you want to learn more about email copy, check out those resources and we'll see you next episode. You've been listening to the Laptop Empires podcast with Mike Yonda and Bobby Hoyt. For more information and the resources mentioned in this episode, go to laptopempires.com forward slash podcast.